everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Today's edition is a focus on our Thought Leaders in Corporate Innovation series, and I have a very special guest here, Paul Doherty from Accenture. He leads technology and innovation for a long time at Accenture. Welcome, Paul. It's great to have you. Thanks, Ramon. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. So tell us uh, a bit about um, how you are thinking about corporate innovation at Accenture, just from a broad framework point of view. Yeah, no, the, uh, the, the role I've got, as you said, is I've got the role of Chief Technology Officer and, and Chief Innovation Officer. And, um, you, know, the way, you know, the way my job and my role is shaped is to look, look ahead a couple years and make sure that we're moving, you know, always moving Accenture's business to, you know, in the direction technology is going so that we're even better positioned and even more relevant in the future than we are today. And, you know, the, the way I think about it is, is Accenture is a big company. We have a, uh, about 440,000 people, about $35 billion uh, U.S. dollars in revenue. So it's a big organization. And we're also a, a growth-oriented company, so we're growing substantially every year. And the way I think about, you know, one way I think about my job is, is every year we have to create a couple billion dollars of new revenue, generally speaking, in technology that didn't exist a few years ago because of the pace of technology change. So, I can, you know, one way I think of part of my job is how do we create a couple of unicorns uh, equivalent, you know, of revenue uh, every year based on, you know, the fast evolving technology environment. Great. So, from a goal point of view, that's very concrete and very uh, daunting, actually. So how do you structure the organization to deliver to that goal? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. We've, and it, we're, I tell you, we're always evolving that. Um, the, way, the way we do it, we're learning a lot as we go. So I think the first lesson I'd say is, you know, is you gotta, you got to continue to evolve and, and innovate in how you structure yourself in the environment we're in. Uh, the, the, the phrase I use is there's no finish line to innovation. We're in the, it's not like, you know, we have one technology wave like, say, the Internet or client server and then we're done. We're in, a, we're in an era where it's defined by one continual exponential technology wave after another, the, you know, the exponential combinatorial revolution that many talk about, including us, which means that there is no finish line for innovation. It means that you have to have you know, the culture and mechanism and structure in your organization to continue to innovate. And in our mm -hmm. industry, which is technology services, we're the largest technology services firm globally, that means that we have to be ahead in innovation because, uh, you know, we really see our mission now as to, uh, is to be the leading company to bring innovation to help our clients, to, clients transform, it, you know, using technology. So, you know, the leading, you know, leading company bringing innovation helping our clients transform. So things we do is um, I'd broadly maybe define the structure in five areas. I'll just go through five things real quick, and you can decide if we want to dive into some of these more. Yep. The, first, uh, the first point I'd highlight is we have a vision that we continually work on and we release every year. And our vision is our view on where technology is going, and we take a position. We're opinionated. We discard some things. We bet more on other things. And that's our view on where technology is going. So we have a vision that drives everything we do. The second point, and you know, we may want to go more into this one, is we have something we call our innovation architecture, which is a business architecture that we've got that goes from 
front-end research through driving revenue in our business, and it's a set of capabilities that we've invested a, a good deal in to, to, again, go from idea, you know, idea or research into results. So I can talk more about that. The third thing we focused a lot on is the culture around innovation. Mm-hmm. And we believe in a top, both a top-down and a bottom-up process for innovation. Again, we've got 440,000 people, so it would be naive to think that a, a small number of us at the top of the organization are going to define all the innovation. We want to tap the creativity and potential of all of our people. And uh, I can talk to you a little bit about innovation ninjas and various things we're doing to try to empower the bottom-up in addition to driving the top-down and, and put together that blended culture. Uh, the fourth point then, uh, fourth aspect of our innovation structure is our ecosystem. We, uh, you know, we're a technology services company, but we're also the largest partner uh, of companies like SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, yep. Salesforce, Workday, many, many others. So the way, I, uh, the way I look at Accenture is we're a platform for delivering the best innovation from all those companies to our clients. So we leverage the, the innovation, our partnerships, and an open innovation approach with the ecosystem. And then finally, the fifth part of it is investment. You can't just you know, innovate and be a leader in innovation by just telling people to be more innovative. You have to invest in a disciplined way and in the right way in different stages of innovation. And at Accenture, we, we invest somewhere on the order of $760 million a year and it's an increasing number in research and development and in, you know, another billion dollars uh, a year in training our people in innovation in these new areas. And we think that the, that ability to invest in innovation is really what sets, you know, the execution of innovation, you know, companies that execute, can execute on innovation apart from those that just, you know, you know think about innovation or, or try innovation. So there's a lot of things you said in there that are worth double-clicking down on. Let me... Um, let me start pulling some of it out and, and um, you know, exploring further. So um, one thing you said right at the outset is that we are in a continuously evolving industry and we absolutely have to practice continuous innovation. And one of the ways you do that is through grassroots innovation across your 440,000 uh, employee base. What is the structure of that? How do you engage this very large uh, base of talent in the innovation uh, philosophy or an innovation agenda? Yeah, the um, well, we, we you know, Accenture is really defined by a you know kind of a set of businesses that we have with uh, where our, so our people work in different businesses. We've got a strategy business that's like. A, you know, the management consulting strategy house, you know, kind of capability where you have a big team that does that. We have a consulting part of our organization. We have a digital business. We have technology, which is, you know, a, a large part of our business, which is building and deploying technology. And then we have operations, which is infrastructure, cloud, BPO, things like that. So it varies a little bit by part of the organization because each one of those, you know, groups has a different purpose. But broadly speaking, what we try to do is is harness the best ideas from you know, different um, uh, from you know di- from people and different sources we have around the organization. And we, what we try to do is, is be able to collect up the best innovation and incent that innovation. So, for example, one thing we do is we have something called the Greater Than Awards, which is a, a recognition program where we reward the best innovators at any level in the organization. It could be from a brand new joiner through a more experienced uh, person who's come up with an idea and something innovative. And we have a, a rigorous you know 
and very large and prominent awards program moderated by our, our chief executive officer that rewards and incentives people to innovate. Um, there's, there's incentives and rewards around that, too. We also have things so, like... Um, yeah, sorry, can sorry. I ask you a question on, on what, what yeah. you just said? Um, you know, we work with a bunch of product companies that have that kind of um, process, including 1 million by 1 million has a, a program called Incubator in a Box, which some of our partners are using to run their own internal innovation programs. Now, for a product company, the idea is to come up with new product ideas that are innovative and so forth. What is the agenda for a services organization like yours when it comes to yeah, innovation? Great question. So there's there's two different, you know, broadly speaking, two different forms of innovation. One is, uh, you know, somebody come up with an innovation in a new way to do our business. And uh, an example of that is, uh, you know, several several years ago, we had some very, uh, you know, very interesting innovations that came out of one of our team in a new way to do, you know, DevOps and continuous integration in assembling solutions. It came out of it a team that had a you know, very challenging you know, client situation they were working with, and they figured out a, a new way to integrate a you know, set of tools and develop a new capability. Uh, again, it wasn't top-down research coming from me or somebody else in Accenture. It was a team innovating, bringing in some new tools, you know, integrating them in a different way, and it allowed us to deliver better for that client. And then we took that, and we said, well, we can take that and apply that to a lot of other work we do. So it was an innovation that we then spread across Accenture. So some, some of the innovation we see is innovation in the way we work, which is that example. Mm -hmm. Other innovations process are innovation. innovations. Yeah, process innovation. Yeah, good way of putting it. Other innovation is you know, innovative applications of technology for our client. Um, you know, a good, uh, you know, for a specific client problem, a good example here is a team in uh, working in, um, in Asia, in uh, Indonesia actually in this case, who came up with a very innovative way, innovative idea uh, for an agricultural producer in Indonesia, and this is going back a few years, they were using drones to analyze soil conditions and growing conditions uh, with video analytics and other AI technologies, and, um, and came up with the idea. We, you know, you know, the team itself came up with the idea. Again, it wasn't top-down driven research. We had, but we took the idea, we worked on it in our research labs with that team, and then we took it back out to the client. We're able to help that client innovate a whole new way of using advanced technology to dramatically improve their growing, you know, the productivity for growing the, uh, the produce they were growing. So that's, that's more innovation in the product or the outcome we're delivering to a client versus, as you said, the pro innovation, the process, and the way we do things. So now that actually gives me a segue into what I'm sure is a big part of your uh, innovation process is to keep track of what's happening in terms of new technology in the outside world, in terms of the startups and the um, people who are coming up with new technologies, this example that you gave in Indonesia is that to create that solution is to put together a whole lot of different technologies to deliver such a solution. So I imagine you have a process to, to vet startups and decide which ones you want to work with. What is that process? Yeah, that's great. And uh, it's part of the innovation architecture. So I'll, I'll come back and talk more broadly about the, the, the other aspects of the innovation architecture. But, but one aspect of our, you know, one step in our innovation architecture is, uh, is Accenture Ventures. And Accenture Ventures really has two parts. It's, it's, it's a corporate VC capability. Um, mm -hmm. 
So we, you know, we invest as a strategic investor in, um, in startups and innovation and incubators, accelerators, all, all sorts of things. Uh, that's what Accenture Venture does. Uh, but we also have a, 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 another component of Accenture Ventures, which is open, we call it, for lack of a better term, we just call it open innovation, which is our program for working with, working with all of the entrepreneurs, accelerators, innovators, incubators, startups, et cetera, that we can find. So we've got a, a team that's focused specifically on open innovation. We currently have over 3,000 startups that we've met with, you know, we've, we've curated, we understand what they do, and many of them we've worked with and, and taken to clients, and that number's ever growing and growing very rapidly. And mm -hmm. we, again, curate them into a framework so that we understand for any given startup, what stage are they at, you know, what stage is their product at, how ready are they to go to the, the types of large corporate clients that we work with, what industry do they what industry geography do they specialize in? What's the unique nature of their technology innovation? And we all, we have a system that we we track all that in, um, so that when we then when we, we use the term bridge maker, so we track all that. We meet with startups continuously to understand this. Uh, we, we invest in a subset of them, a small number through our venture ventures capability. But the the real you know the real uh, difference maker I think for the startup community in entrepreneurs and for and for our clients is that we can be the bridge maker then. When a client comes in for the challenge for us, uh, for us, and I'll use an example of a large retailer that wanted to expand and go into agricultural products. They were kind of retail around agricultural products and, and as they expanded their market. That's an area they didn't know well. So they came in for an innovation session to talk to us about it. We identified about a dozen potential startups that could help them accelerate into that market sector very, very rapidly. And it mm -hmm. turns out we ended up using a, a number of those to quickly you know, ramp up and create a new business for this retailer, uh, you know, a win, you know, kind of win-win. The client, we're, you know, Accenture was able to do some very innovative work for our clients by doing that matching. The client got an acceleration in creating this new business, and we were able to accelerate the growth of these startups by giving them a channel, you know, and in, in, uh, introducing them and connecting them, in, uh, you know, into to a client or to a company they might never have met otherwise. And that's it was one example of what we try to do every day in, in working you know, as that, in that bridge maker role between the large corporates, we tend to work with the Global 2000, so the kind of large corporate government organizations and the entrepreneurs and startup community. Very interesting. Um, this is probably something we should start uh, collaborating on and uh, make sure yeah, that our startups so. get uh, access to your uh, program. Um, yeah, I think, that, I think that'd be a really good, really good area to explore. So um, we'll definitely follow up on that. Now, uh, switching gears a little bit, um, you know, in the last, I would say, um, nine months or so, we've probably had a hundred investors in the very early stages of the investment game um, come on to our podcast and talk about what they're doing, what they're looking for, what they're investing in, what are the highlights of their portfolio, and so forth. And the team, I always ask them, you know, in the last 15 months, what have you seen uh, in your deal flow that would be representative of the trends that are going on in the startup industry? And unanimously, the one thing that comes up over and over and over again in recent times is artificial intelligence. <laughs> and I imagine yes. for you, this is a huge trend. Yes, so yeah, talk, to, uh, talk to us about it. I know you've written a book uh, on this topic, and so so talk to us about what's happening in AI and how are you 
building all of that into your innovation strategy at Accenture? Great question. I know you, I know I'm uh, talking to an expert here because I know you've got a big hippie background in this as well. Uh, the um, yeah AI I describe as and, and I studied AI you know many years ago back in the 80s in in college uh, in university and so it's it's changed a lot since then <laughs> certainly. Um, but uh, you know AI's really come on the scene in the last five years because of it, I think a lot of you and a lot of your your uh, a lot of your listeners probably know the story but there was some fundamental advances about six or seven years ago in deep learning algorithms that allowed us to to uh, take deep learning to a new level combined with uh, computing advances like GPU and uh, storage and data advances that really led to the, the takeoff of AI in a, yep. in a big way. And now uh, I describe AI as, as the alpha trend that we see in our business. And I'll just state, you know, for the record here that I've, I've been at Accenture 32 years and in the industry, you know, about that amount of time. And I've been through, you know, everything from punch cards to relational database to client server to internet to mobility to IoT and everything else around that stuff, cloud computing, et cetera. And we've never seen a trend grow as fast as AI is growing right now in terms of impact, you know, number of startups, venture capital inflow, um, revenue to our business, speed of with which we're acquiring and training AI talent. Um, and, you know, we have the fifth largest pool of AI talents in Accenture, you know, we, you know based on uh, based on some, some independent uh, surveys that have been done. So, we, so it's a big business for us. It's grown really fast. And so the challenge for us and for our clients is how do you deploy AI in the right way to drive business value? How, to avoid, how do you avoid some of the pitfalls? Because there are some pitfalls around, uh, you know, some of the incidents that have been in the news recently, um, uh, issues around responsible application of AI, issues around data bias, explainability, with you know compared to GDPR yep. and other sure. concerns. So lots of concerns. But the reason we wrote the book, just to, in just a, a quick comment on that, is we wanted to provide an, a management guide to how to navigate all those challenges that businesses could accelerate their adoption of AI because we believe the the potential of AI is is so huge. Um, so that's what we see in our business. So the the the, um, what we're looking for from the startup and entrepreneurial community is, you know, better solutions that can accelerate, you know, the speed to which we can, you know, drive value, um, uh, you know, drive value, deliver value to our, our larger clients. I met with a very interesting company yesterday, for example, who had a uh, machine learning, had a you know, very interesting machine learning algorithm to sort out criminal um, uh, criminal fraud in the banking environment, so which mm -hmm. is an area that many people are looking at, but they had a very interesting uh, kind of novel approach that I hadn't seen from others in AI. And I think there's tremendous opportunity now for entrepreneurs to combine AI and some business and industry knowledge and uh, you know clever use of data to to really uh, create some exciting new businesses. So it's uh, it's an interesting time in technology, and it's like I said, it's the fastest growing part of our uh, of our of our business at the moment. And from an innovation process point of view, how do you look at this? Is it, is it mostly the actual technology is mostly coming from these startups and you're folding them into the particular vertical, industry vertical practice area or uh, horizontal practice area, wherever you see the applicability? Uh, well, there's, there's kind of a, a couple big different domains or tiers maybe of innovation that we see. So we work with the big platform companies, you know, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and I've sure. had Watson into the mix there. They're, I mean, they're, they're creating platforms at scale, innovating very rapidly. 
Yes. And a lot of innovation there. We're seeing some startups then use that, use those, some of that technology to build businesses around it. So I think that's one area and a tremendous amount of innovation coming directly out of, out of those companies. And the way you can access like the Google Vision API and create really exciting new applications around it is really create some amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs. Uh, but then we, we see tremendous innovation from, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, bringing new approaches in, uh, new, you know, uh, pattern recognition for, you know, radiology diagnostics, all sorts of things um, that uh, where there's great domains for startups to bring in new and novel uh, knowledge. I think the challenge that we're finding is there's so much innovation and so many startups, you know, jumping into the fray now. There's, you know, I'd say chatbots, virtual agencies. It's amazing how many new, you know, entrepreneurs and innovators are jumping into that space. The challenge for our clients is how do they figure out who's real, who's not, which technology is ready to go and which is not. So that's where I think it's important for, you know, entrepreneurs working in this area to really be able to be crisp and clear in understanding or explaining kind of what they do and connecting with their customers' uh, customers' needs and the customer pain points that are out there because it's becoming a very crowded space because of all the, of all, of all the activity. So, um, you know, as you probably know, we have this Thought Leaders in Artificial Intelligence series on the blog as well, and we routinely get people who are working on either new startup technology or have different kinds of vantage points using maybe some of the uh, technologies from the Microsofts and the Googles and so forth. So we've we've looked at this problem from many different angles, and a few things have stood out for me, and I'd like to get your your uh, perspective on these. There are two industries where I, it seems to me that those industries today cannot function without artificial intelligence. One of them is cybersecurity, mm-hmm. and the second one is online advertising. And if you look at either of those, it pretty much they, they have to be completely automated and they have to bring in the power of AI to do what they do. Do, is that an accurate statement from your point of view? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's those online advertising really was built on AI. If you look at how the platforms were built, so a lot of the innovations in AI came out of there uh, or were applied there very early. So uh, recommendation engines, adverti- you know, ad- kind of uh, dynamic advertising and things like that are clearly very dependent on AI. So absolutely. And cybersecurity, I think, is a little different in that AI evolved in there because there's a dynamic where bad actors are very advanced and very well equipped to, to, to use AI. So that means in cyber defense, you better be you're really good at adapting and using AI as well, because you need AI to to kind of match and you know defend against the bad actors who are who are using AI. So absolutely, those are two domains where that's it's really uh, it, it really is um, uh, necessary to be really at the top of the game with AI. And are those domains um, areas in which Accenture has big activity? Yeah, yeah, both are big, uh, big areas for us. Uh, online advertising or advertising um, uh, in general is a big, big business for us. We have a part of our business called Accenture Interactive, which is a very large business. Uh, Ad, Ad Age, the advertising magazine, just named Accenture Interactive the number one global digital agency. So we're, we are the largest and kind of leading um, yeah, digital agency from that perspective and do a lot of work specifically in this area and a lot of advanced 
AI uh, in, in a lot of different ways in, in that business, and that's, that's a business. To my point on growing unicorns, that business didn't exist six years ago in Accenture, and it's now uh, roughly, uh, I might get the number exactly wrong, so I won't say it, but it's a multi-billion dollar business that's growing very rapidly, and mm -hmm. uh, again, number one agency. So, so yeah, those are, that's a big business. Cybersecurity is a very big, big business for us as well. Again, one of our very large, uh, you know, uh, you know, business, well over a billion dollars of, of revenue coming from that area. So another very, very big area that we're, again, the, the, um, the trick in cybersecurity is to get out of the mentality that you're trying to keep people out and use uh, clever techniques with artificial intelligence to uh, understand where the penetrations are and how to prevent the bad actors from doing more harm. So that's uh, a lot of our focus within cybersecurity. Now, um, slightly different uh, seg sector where I think some of your ideas that you've presented in the book, which I haven't read it yet, but I just got a copy this morning uh, of the manuscript, so I just kind of flipped through um, it on my computer. Uh, you are talking about AI being an augmentation uh, factor as opposed to a displacement factor in uh, in various workflows. So I think the classic one uh, that fits that bill would be in healthcare and the whole, you know, doctors working with patients and electronic medical records and so forth. And, and it's actually a, a big frustration area for me as a consumer to watch how badly um, medical systems use technology and data. Could you comment on that where, from your point of view, I'm sure you're working with health um, systems and various, as clients, wh where is the problem? Why is this moving, why is this not moving faster? I mean, I'm very pleased to see how cybersecurity is moving. I'm very pleased to see how online advertising is moving, but why is healthcare not moving as fast? You know, there's the, I'll just rattle through a few other areas that are moving fast, and I'll get to healthcare. The other areas we see moving very rapidly beyond the, the, the ones you mentioned are uh, customer care and customer service generally, a lot yes. of really interesting innovations. Supply chain, which is one people don't focus on too much, supply chain and logistics, some very yes. interesting things happening. Compliance and risk, um, a big area. And then R&D, using it in R&D in areas in industries like pharmaceutical and life sciences. So those are some some areas we're seeing you know, a lot of activity happen with AI. But healthcare, you're right, healthcare would be on that list as well. And um, I think the challenge with, with healthcare is just the, the nature of the industry. Um, there's, you know, again, we see AI being applied in certain parts of the industry, like you know, drug discovery process, clinical trials, and things like that. Uh, then in the, um, when you get into the care provision area, you know, the provider, the provider type of health market, uh, I think it's just uh, it's probably a couple of issues there. One is just the number of participants that you have in the market with providers and payers and um, in, in the, uh, the nature of the industry and some of the complexity around uh, you know, medical records and access to information and um, concerns about data privacy and the like. But we're seeing some interesting advances. You know, the, the advances we're seeing in areas like um, uh, radiology, some of the diagnostic uh, advances you know, driven mm -hmm. by AI, um, it, it was, we're working with some companies on better, you know, using AI and other technology to uh, to do better post-operative care for patients. So once you leave the, the hospital, how do we make sure you don't end up back in the hospital, which is a you know, which is a big issue, you know, for Very many patients. Issue, yeah. many, 
Yeah, and so, but we found ways to use artificial intelligence and you know, to check on the pay, you know, check on certain things in the right way and and try to prevent that from happening. So I, I think it's I think there's a lot of advances happening there. It's it's an industry that is you know more fragmented industry, which means it takes more time sometimes for the solutions to deploy at scale in in, in an industry like that. But I, I think that's I think you hit on the right thing though. Healthcare is where there's huge benefits for AI. If you think about you know the potential of AI to help um, with new new types of treatments, there's been some very interesting research and work done with treating depression patients, uh, children with autism, many, many other types of things where AI plus a human, uh, which is, again, what we write about in the book, the AI plus human you know, capability can really unlock a lot of new jobs, professions, and better health outcomes and care for people. So I think we're just at the start of seeing that kind of development. Well, my read is that on, on that topic, my read is that that is the uh, industry that where AI can augment as opposed to displace because there are a lot of industries where AI is going to end up displacing lots of jobs. But I think in healthcare, there is this possibility of a enabling um, lots of people with perhaps not as advanced skills, uh, but can use AI to be able to bring healthcare to a much, much larger, broader uh, swath of people. Yeah, no, I think you're. I think you're right. I think it, it, it's same in it, you know, or even even more true. I would say in developing markets and in, in exactly. uh, other parts yes. of the world where you where you yep. where you need to multiply. You don't have enough radiologists. You don't have enough primary care uh, right. professionals, et cetera. So I think yeah, you're absolutely right. But on the jobs issue, that is what we wrote the book about called Human Plus Machine, and um, the subtitle is Reimagining Work in the Age of AI because we think you need. You know, the whole point of the book is you need to think about work differently, and it's more about these, this pairing of human plus machine to create new categories of jobs. And we identify a bunch of new categories of jobs, and healthcare is, you know, offers a lot of opportunity for this in particular. But the, the, one of the things we found is um, there's a lot of concern about all the jobs AI will displace, and it will displace, as you said, it'll displace many jobs. We agree kind of, you know, with numbers along the lines of what the OECD report just came out with, this week, which said on the order of 10% of jobs really at risk of being eliminated. And it's the, the issue is really the jobs that are being transformed by AI. So it's, the job is not eliminated, but the person needs to, you know, new skills to do their job. And that's why we focus a lot in the book on reskilling in our Accenture work with our clients. We're focused a lot on that reskilling issue because even in call centers, we're finding you know, companies don't need to or want to get rid of all, all the people in the call center. They want to free up people's time so that they can spend more time making the customer happier, selling you know, other products to the customer, et cetera, increasing customer satisfaction and offload routine tasks to chatbots and virtual agents and such. So it's really, you know, kind of a combination of, of equipping people to do more that we think is where a lot of the potential of AI comes in. So uh, well, certainly there will be a, jobs displayed. But, there's an yeah, IT gap, I think, which is, which is, very con concerning and complicated to bridge, right? I mean, if I look at, I'm I'm originally from India, um, and obviously I've tracked the the evolution of the Indian IT industry, and a large part of that industry, as you know very well, is in low-end business process outsourcing. And I have seen, and just in our totally different AI series, I've seen so many applications that are 
basically you put a piece of software in and 4,000 people are out of their jobs or 5,000 people are out of their jobs. And, and this is already starting to flow through the Indian BPO industry and, and the, num the projections for the number of job losses for this year, I think, is half a million and so on and so forth. So I think this is – now, if you have a very low IQ person or a modest IQ person, you can't really expect that person to become now this very savvy, capable of doing things of much higher order. Um, and, and that's where the reskilling or retooling is very challenging. Yeah, well, I think the, the thing we have to look at also is where you apply technology to help to help the people transition. Because we 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 have a large business in in uh, in India, you know, as well with the, the nature of our workforce, and we we're actually you know we found that that uh, you know the workforce actually has a, a lot of opportunity there because certain categories of what we do are are you know are going away more quickly, like testing test. Cycle execution, for example, was a yep. something a lot of people used to do. Now you can automate a lot of that. So, so the people that we had that used to do uh, test ex execution, we've been you know for for a while retraining them to do more test design and other things that that are still necessary um, and in in demand. So the ch and the challenge is how can you use more automated tools to to do that? One thing we've developed that developed in our labs and as an experiment, but it's turning out to be very interesting. And we're now you know, scaling it up is we developed a machine learning based tool that could look at anybody's resume and um, and we had a lot of data to trade it on because we had so many people, we received millions of resumes a year, but we could look at a resume and say, given the person's experience and given other experience, other, other information we track about the person, what's their risk of irrelevance you know, of their skills in the short term? Mm -hmm. And we could say, well, this individual, their job might not be as, you know, as in demand in two years. But then we could also say, um, and, and this was something for our employees to use, then the, then the employee could say, well, what, what should I do? And it would look at their skills and what are the adjacent skills that you can mm -hmm. more easily learn, and then how do you develop those skills? And so we're using tools like this to help you know, our, our workforce understand you know, the problems before they get displaced and then start to train themselves earlier. And we think that that kind of proactive approach is something more companies are going to need to deploy to make sure they're preparing their workforce um, appropriately for AI, because if, if a company takes it a, a view that they're they can flush and replace their employees, I think they're going to be in, in tough shape in, the, in this in this age of innovation that we're in. I think every company needs to figure out the right learning platforms to invest in their people, so that their people make the journey with them. And that's the way. That's why we're investing a billion dollars a year in training Accenture to you know continue to invest in the people and move them along. So this technology that you're talking about of assessing people's uh, skills and their adjacent skills that they can move into. Is that internal Accenture technology or is it coming from some other uh, startup or somewhere else? <laughs> it's, it's internal technology right now. It'd be, uh, and to, be, to be clear, it's still kind of early stages. It, it, this is a good example of that bottom-up innovation. We didn't ask anybody to do this. Somebody, somebody came up with the idea and just started doing it with somebody in, our, in India, in our, our lab in India. So, um, Good example of the bottom-up innovation. It's a great idea, but you know, but it came from just uh, the culture of innovation. Well, I would be very uh, curious to see what it produces and to what extent it scales. Yeah, no, that's what <laughs> we're working on. Right. Yeah, to be clear, it's yeah. still it's still beta, and we're still you know, we're still playing playing around. Right. Use it as an example. But I, I think there's a huge entrepreneurial opportunity there in general around this reskilling issue. I, I, I'm I'm surprised I haven't seen more people tackling the issue of skills. It's and, a very and hard problem. 
Yeah, it's a hard problem, but there are some like upskill, if you know upskill, who's uh, looking at how do you kind of train and you know train people more effectively using virtual reality as you know, could people use virtual and augmented reality. It's a, I think that's one interesting area where we've actually applied AI to help reskill. We've worked with one of the, a very large manufacturer to use augmented reality for their low for some of their lower skilled workers to help them learn their job tasks faster mm. and get more get the best practice capability more quickly. And I think there's a lot of opportunity, you know, you know, again, equipping a manufacturing worker with an augmented reality capability to learn their job faster. I think there's a lot of opportunities like that that we're we're just not investing enough in that where there's a great uh uh you know one million by one million kind of opportunity there for more more innovation. Yeah, uh, we need to bring that into the uh consciousness of our community, I think, as as an area to tap into. You know, one of my uh, um, hypotheses is that further out, and this is not within the next five years, I don't think, but somewhere in the next whatever number of years, 20, 30, 50, even 100, but somewhere around there, there are going, there are going to be implants that go into the brain and, and uh, <laughs> produce that kind of reskilling and retooling effect. Have you thought uh, you about know, that or looked into that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's more in the realm of the prediction or guessing at this stage, but you know, or extrapolating based on things. I, I think it's probably closer than what you said. I think it's probably in the number of two decades before we have some of that technology. Um, and uh, you know, in I think right now it sounds kind of foreign. Like who would who would want to plug in? You know, kind of a, a memory USB plug in <laughs> to your uh, right. to your brain. But you know, I think the um, there's a lot of ways we augment ourselves with with drugs, uh, medical treatments, exactly. uh, all sorts of things. It can be education as a, as an augmentation. A lot of ways, and a lot of the the you know what a lot of what's you know what's acceptable changes culturally very quickly. Yes. Uh, it's, yes. Um, it's what seems impossible now may seem commonplace twenty you know ten twenty years from now. So I, yeah. I think that's probably, my guess is we're probably that's probably a couple decades, probably not. Uh, you know, the end of the century before we're in that kind of realm. But I think I think that it'll be great for humanity and great for the human race in terms of what it equips us to do. The ethical challenge we have to deal with is how do we equitably distribute that kind of capability so yes. it doesn't increase inequality, but that it helps reduce that, you know, inequality and helps improve overall access to, you know, to knowledge and information, jobs and such. So we have some, uh, you know, the challenge, you know, the challenges that we have with AI today are kind of a foreshadowing of some of those other challenges we'll have down the road as well. Is this in your, uh, you know, corporate innovation um, framework? Are these kinds of technologies showing up in projects already? Well, I would say they're not directly in projects yet. In, in the in the way we just talked about, so um, you know, direct to kind of neurological enhancement, you know, not. Not in the work we're doing, but it's in our research. We are, um, we do do some more far-reaching research on trends, and that's something we're watching, and we have researchers looking at. Uh, I would say it's not, you know, not directly in the in the work we're doing to, you know, to bring to reality today. But there are, you know, some really interesting startups out there doing things, and we're working with, you know, some of these companies. There's one startup called Neuropace that has an implant for epilepsy patients that can mm -hmm. track your brain signal. And it'll based on your it'll learn your patterns of what you know when you get, what patterns are going to lead to seizure it learns mm -hmm. over time you know machine learning and such and it can do it can use neurostimulation to 
send a signal and try to head off the, the seizures for mm-hmm. epilepsy, epilepsy patients. But if I remember correctly, they have something like a 40% reduction in seizures and in, in, in improving continuously, which is very profound. And that's an implant, yeah, you know, profound. that they're using to One do that. One of my so, friends died two years ago from an epileptic seizure. And, oh, uh, you're kidding. Yeah. 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 It's a very, so, very so uh, real issue. But yeah, I think, yeah, uh, very... you know, the reason it would be of great interest for you and for me is because of the kinds of issues that we just talked about of displacement, where if you can actually, let's say a company brings in a technology that goes and displaces a million people across different, uh, you know, organizations, how about taking that those million people and and you know, putting some sort of an implant or transplant in their brains and upgrading them to a different skill set. That if that's yeah. viable, then then there will be a very good question of why not. Yeah, well, I, I think uh, yeah, Shramana, we may be writing a Black Mirror episode right now. <laughs> Sounds like a good one to. Uh... <laughs> Exactly. All right. Um, well, <laughs> this is a fascinating yeah. conversation. We can continue, I'm sure, but uh, why don't we uh, adjourn for now? And, and if you want to uh, continue the conversation in the Thought Leaders and AI series, I just based on this conversation, I have some ideas, and I will uh, exchange notes with you uh, offline, and maybe we'll uh, we'll do another s- segment. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I enjoyed the conversation, and uh, hopefully, you got a picture that. I mean, I think for everybody, I think, I think you know, what you're doing with one million by one million is, is fantastic because we need more innovation. And um, the challenge for every company we deal with is access to innovation. They all want to innovate faster. We're in an, an era where innovation is what's differentiating companies in every single industry we work with. And that's, again, we view Accenture as a platform for, for innovation to help with that. So I think it's great uh, what you're doing to try to accelerate and stimulate more innovation. So we'd love to engage more and uh, talk more with the uh, the community that you've assembled. Sounds great. So. You know, as, as a as a concluding uh, comment, I have to share this joke with you. I when I first designed the one million by one million curriculum, you know, we we built this program around a very powerful online curriculum. I uh, in in the introduction to the curriculum, I wrote that hey, all to all our address to all our. Uh, uh, entrepreneurs that I currently we do not have a technology we're working on a chip which it, which can be implanted from that has all of this knowledge um, that's sitting in my brain and uh, can be implanted into your brain brain so that you immediately start off at a different level but currently we don't have that technology ready of course this was you know eight years ago and I I really had not thought at that point that we would be having this conversation that we just had yeah. where we are, we are really seeing somewhere in the 20, 30-year time frame that this may actually become a reality. So it's really fascinating. Very fascinating. So audience, thank you for listening. Um, as you know, uh, you have the option of coming to any of our uh, public roundtables any week. 1million by 1million.com, 1m by 1m.com. Go to the free public roundtables uh, navigation bu- button and go register to pitch or to attend, and we will work with you on your projects and give you uh, feedback on how to accelerate your ventures, how to remove your roadblocks, and it's a safe working session. So see you soon. See you back at one of these podcasts as well. Thank you for coming. <laughs>